Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another FIRE and SNS podcast. I'm Barrett Anderson, the COO of Strategic News Service, which is what SNS stands for, and Future in Review, which is our uh, events and community company that serves that same purpose. And I'm here with Mark Anderson, who is the CEO of Strategic News Service and the chair of Future in Review. And we are going to be talking today about his latest global report, uh, so if you are already a member of SNS, you will have just received this report in your inbox. Um, and it is the topic that we're covering today is inflation. What it is, what's causing it, why the media is missing it, and what you need to know to understand what's going on and what to expect moving forward. So Mark, maybe you could start by telling us a little bit more about how your definition and understanding of inflation generally, what we're seeing in the economy today, differs from what's been presented so far by the media. Sure. And thank you, Barrett. Um, nice to be here. For those who are SNS members, this issue was called manufacturing inflation for a good reason. And there are a lot of people right now who are kind of mystified, even very smart people on Wall Street, who have the feeling like, wait a minute, this is this is beyond description. There's something else going on here than the usual stuff, you know, like central bank, central bank inflation rates, uh, responses and interest rate responses and yields. And, you know, what's going on that's, that's creating so much inflation so fast? What is it? And I, I had the same concern. And so I, I started looking into things. So the point of this GR and the point of this meeting with you and I today in this podcast is that there are some very large elephants in the room that haven't showed up either at all or in a proper amount um, in the media. So one of the things at the end of my run of research on this that suddenly occurred to me that I want to, I, and I appreciate you asking that question. So there is an overall understanding, I think, that I acquired that I want to share now. Okay. And it's a different way of seeing inflation. So um, inflation, I think, is the result of decreased productivity. Okay. There are other things that can cause it, like greed. But basically, from an economics perspective, if it takes twice as many hours to make my smartphone, the price is going to go up. If it takes twice as many people, the price is going to go up. So um, that's a lack of productivity. So when you're hunting around for the elephants in the room that have not been looked at closely, you want to do that kind of hunt, right? Mm -hmm. You want to say, what major things have happened recently that have had a huge effect on declining productivity. And when you find those, you're gonna find the elephants, I think. Well, it, it seems from what, we, from, you know, from what I know of your report so far, that there's a combination between declining productivity and artificially increasing prices that have created a little bit of a, and combined with political, uh, a lot of international geopolitical strategies that have created kind of a perfect storm to like inflation, right? And so I'm wondering if um, you could talk a little bit more about some of those other things as well. Sure. And, and, and the question whether these are artificial or not is a little bit interesting because- They're real. If I push you over and you fall over, was that artificial? Right. I mean, you wouldn't have fallen over if I didn't push you, but still, that's a pretty bad metaphor, but still, you know, that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, let's, let's for a moment take China because China is an obvious elephant in the room and often, if not always, misunderstood by the usual cast of characters who are on television. 
or who are writing for the Wall Street Journal. So um, if, if you begin by looking at their model and you go way back in time, you know, go back a while, um, they were the leading currency manipulator in the world for many decades, two decades. We never called them out, we should have. And so the average uh, price down for them, when they put markets on the, uh, when they put price on the global market, they're about 25 to 40% price off. It's cheating, but they did it. And so now you've got every nation in the world competing with that. And what one thing that happened after a while of that happening, and they started gaining market share in every market they went into, was the central banks of the world began to do what they called quantitative easing. They cheapened their money so that they could compete. Now, for the, just can we take a step back for those of, for those of people who are watching who maybe have, haven't been familiar with SNS's kind of line of reasoning and your leadership on China's national business model. Sure. Yeah. It's worth recapping that the things that you're talking about are twofold, right? There's one, the reason that the China was able to price down, as you say, the American market or other international markets was one, because they were stealing intellectual property from other countries. So they didn't need to spend the R&D to develop the products, which reduces the price for them to create them. Correct. And two, because they were putting kind of like fake money in a way into mm-hmm. those companies to help them grow artificially and in, in a market where they like without that money they would have been it would have been a much tougher competition for those companies. absolutely it, it was cheap so like funding you know if you're running a startup your biggest problem is always funding funding for chinese companies during this time was not a problem there was always right. money so, so to back up what you're saying when we first did that work which was groundbreaking on the actual business model of china the first thing we found out was we looked at their GDP. It was twice what everybody else had ever, ever dreamed of being. It was almost 30% some years. Mm-hmm. Well, we quickly realized that only half of that was real productivity, was real work by real people making phones. The other half was theft. Mm-hmm. Holy moly, gigantic theft. Mm-hmm. Way beyond anybody's belief system. You know, The numbers are still hard to believe today. So they were stealing hundreds of billions, probably trillions of dollars of stuff from around the world not just the U.S., and then incorporating that into their economy for free. Right. And then they had fake banks, and no one knew that either. The banks were not banks. So all these banks were giving money to the startups or to anybody else, Huawei, you know, $3 billion overnight. Where'd that come from? I don't know. I just made it up. So um, they literally didn't account. They didn't have bad loans. So their whole idea of banking, and they own the top 10 banks, or random. So it's like, wow, that's an interesting way to run a country. You should have to be a dictator to do that. Mm-hmm. So, so that result created today's inflation. Wow. And, the, and then the quantitative easing came in that you were just discussing from other countries trying, trying to compete and, and continuing yes. to pump more and more and more and more money into the global economy. That's right. That's right. So, um, you know, when we talk about productivity, how does cheating fit into, how does bank robbing fit into productivity? Well, it screws everything up. You know, just you can't even do the accounting for it. So competing with that, now the second largest economy in the world based on that history of theft and, and of uh, subsidization and amplification and no accounting records, all that crap that we've been competing with now for 30 years and particularly for the last 10 years, mm-hmm. um, changed the game. And, and for people who don't understand that, if you're trying to say, well, why does a quarter point interest rate make sense You know, when this, it's not that game. That you're old school if you think that matters. It matters a little bit, but nothing compared to those other elephants. Right. So elephant number two would be COVID, right? 
if you really want to destroy world productivity, try COVID. So that, you know, we believe now that whether it was released on purpose or not, it was built by China, built by America, sent to China, and then refined by China and left the Wuhan lab or the CDC lab there. And then they did everything they could to maximize the damage caused economically in the world after that. So it was treated like a bioweapon, whether or not they intended to release it. Right. And the result of that was economic damage beyond your wildest dreams. If, you're, if your country had one prime mission, and that was to have global economic domination over a period of time, you couldn't have dreamed up a better way to do it. And at a time when people are saying, oh, they're, they're harmed by their zero COVID policies, that's true for a, for a minute or two, for a year or two, that's not the long-term story. So, you know, we've now what we've seen, 12 million to 24 million people are dead. That has, that has an effect yeah. on that has an effect on productivity, as far as I can tell. And then all the people who are afraid of being dead, and then all the people who shut down their companies and all the countries and all their airports and all their ports. So all that stuff happened. Every piece of that is a decline in productivity. Every piece of that increases inflation and it's manufactured. Go ahead. Well, one of the things that you and I have talked about before is um, you know, the impact of supply chain. Yeah. challenges on Western com- companies and Western economies. I think one yes. of the biggest things that I hear talking to entrepreneurs and, and b- business leaders is like, you know, everyone from, from like tech companies down to utilities who can't get, who can't get the uh, chips to put new meters into people's houses, right? All of that was blamed on COVID, but it's very likely that it's not really about COVID, right? And this, and this kind of gets to the point of, of like more of what you were talking about with uh, the kind of like artificial mm-hmm. constraints around limiting, continuing to limit things based on COVID. Yes. I think that one of the greatest effects of China's behavior that we've discussed so far was this new thing you just mentioned, which is often called greedflation, where if I own a business making sow's ears into purses and I have my whole supply chain is in America, right? And nothing happened to it at all. But suddenly everyone's talking about inflation. Everyone's talking about China and and supply chains being broken. And if I have a chance to raise my prices by say 20%, will I? Yes, I will. Everyone's doing it. And so greed takes over even, you know, with the excuse of these things you're mentioning, even though they're not real for, the, for, for my company, let's say. Right. And that is a wildfire. Everyone gets into that. Right. Nobody, nobody doesn't raise prices. Right. Well, and that's actually a little different than what I was intending to say, which is I think that like all of the supply chain challenges coming through China are fake. Right. Like if you. No, not all. Not all. Uh, some. Some. Yes. It's, like the same, it's an excuse to say, oh, no, we couldn't get you. You know, if you're China and you're stocking up on chips and you're stocking up on lithium yeah. and you're stocking they up on they, they have done over the last two years, mm-hmm. rare earth metals and, and all of those things in huge capacities. We'll call that suspicious behavior. Um, there was an, an, a headline out this morning about uh, TSMC is now putting a huge amount of money into Chinese chip factories. Right. Yes. 
Well, they're doing it all over the world and China. But mostly China. I'd have to look at the numbers twice, but they're doing it all over the world and China. Yes. It seemed, from what I saw, it seemed like it was significantly more than what they're putting into the U.S. And there was a question could around, be. Could be. around why, that, why that is all of a sudden. Well, the but, owners of TSMC were one of the, the initial investors in, in SMIC, which is the ch- largest chip company in China. Yeah. And although Taiwan has laws about transferring first and second generation technology to China, I would be very surprised if they weren't doing that. Yes. Anyway, so I think I think you know all of that scarcity. Some of it may be real, but a lot of it is political in nature. Yeah. So when when containers were suddenly unavailable, hmm. how could that be? When when ships were suddenly unavailable, how? Why? Yeah. You know. So uh, it wasn't all just because people were sick with COVID. Whole ports were shut down, as an example, in northern China. Whole ports because two people were sick in that town. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about there's. So we talked about fake money. We talked about the decrease in productivity of 12 million people dying from COVID. Talked about too much hot money and quantitative easing adding to the global inflation um, challenge. We have not. I want to talk about the fuel costs aspect because yeah. one thing that everyone is seeing headlines about right now are gas prices. Gas prices have never been higher. Gas prices are so, so high, and it's because of Ukraine. You have a different opinion on this, and I'd like to share some of it. And, and before I jump into that, Barrett, I want to add one more thing about what you were just reciting, and that is when people hear too much hot money, they might wonder how much, right? And so um, in the GR, we have a chart of all the money that the West put into quantitative easing in this race to the bottom against China. In, in cheapening their money. And the number, I just happen to have it right here, per year was $18 quadrillion wow. of fake money. From the US or from, in from the, the West? West? From the West. What the West used in quantitative easing to buy its own debt, to put oh. new money out there, $18 quadrillion new money that's floating around the world trying to find a home every night. So if you're wondering where inflation comes from, that's one way. Hmm. Uh, so back to gas for a minute. So um, I bought gas yesterday. It was six twenty-six a gallon for me here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard friends tell me they, they're paying six fifty. Some of them. So it's you know, oil is now one hundred twenty bucks. Uh, it probably should be forty-five. So so two obvious places are oil and gas are different. So even though they're related, they're different. So so the market for oil is run by OPEC plus, which means Russia plus Saudi Arabia. Nobody else matters. Okay. We're not in that family. We're yeah. not in that family. Yeah, we are so, not in there. So clearly, you've got Russia and Saudi Arabia working together to get high prices. People are wondering, like, why isn't Russia being hurt by sanctions? It, they're selling oil for 120 bucks. It used to be 40 bucks. So, you know, they're very, very happy over there. And um, this is exactly what they wanted. And in fact, when OPEC agreed to, to pull back in order to make the price high, Russia didn't really. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, they must have known that war was coming, but the Saudis did. They pulled back 2 million barrels a day. Russia didn't really. So Russia got the benefit of the price without, without doing their part of the deal. Right. Right. They kept doing the same production levels 
at 120 bucks, mm-hmm. the Saudis pull back 2 million. So the t- Saudis started to hit, <clears throat> which is why our president is going to go see Saudi Arabia in a few weeks. Um, what was worse for the gas, p- gas consumers, gasoline consumers, and I didn't know this until two days ago, but uh, apparently starting in 2019, so not in 2020, not during the pandemic, 2019, mm-hmm. or the pandemic, the people who refined gasoline in America decided, made, made a decision which led to ultimately to the drop in production of 900,000 barrels a day of gasoline. How, how, does that, how, does that, how does that compare to, you know, like the total, the total? The highest production ever achieved was in 2020 later. Okay. Um, it was uh, for a few, a few brief moments, uh, 1,373,000. So it was 1.4 million gallons, I mean, barrels a day. Yeah. Okay. So 900,000 is what oh that's more than half most of it yeah yeah uh and there were times when it was actually a negative number where we actually right didn't produce so so um i don't know who did that but it's not going to be that hard to find out someone in the supply chain decided not to make more gasoline yeah Yeah. didn't refine it they just kept it as oil they didn't make it into gasoline and if you take nine hundred thousand out of a normal thing which would be twelve hundred 1.2 1.2 million or 1.3 million, the price is going to go up. Well, and that, was, and that was, you know, that was at the, at the time probably a response to the very low, 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 low price of oil and gas, right? Yes. And then COVID hit at a time when. Oh, we, not we, oil and gas, of gas. Of gas. Gas got down to $1.88. And then COVID hit at a time when no one was really using gas. And so we didn't notice that drop off for a long time. And now suddenly, there's we're, we're noticing it but but the production hasn't changed i think is what yeah demand went back, back up really quickly but production did not yeah and the other part of that story that is not well publicized but it has gotten a little attention is that there was this moment that wall street said to the big the big investors and in energy companies said we don't want you to reinvest by reinvest you mean what in production okay take the money that you're making which is a huge amount of money and just give it to us Okay. When you say Wall Street, what is what does that mean? Who who's who is that voice? Well, I'm not gonna. I, like, I don't know who the players are, but the normal players would be Goldman Sachs and you know all these really big investors uh, in, in investment banks or in uh, investment funds or in hedge funds. You know they are they are like the big owners in these companies. And, got and it. when they call up the CEO and say, "We've decided that you're going to give us the money," they listened, and they did listen, and so they they did this large distribution as dividends, basically, back to shareholders, instead of investing in production. And, and I hate to say it this way, but Wall Street got the money, and you didn't, right? We didn't, we're paying Wall Street, we're paying the 650 a gallon, because the money that should have gone into making more gasoline, in some ways went to large investors. Yeah. Oops, <laughs> so that's, that didn't work out very well. That's uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Hmm. So the net of this is 
the inflation that we're seeing today. Yeah, that's right. So there, there are big hits um, in, in fuel, big hits in food. Um, if you even if you take them out of inflation, it's it's gigantic for the other reasons we discussed. And then there's you know normal inflation where things just get more expensive for a variety of reasons. But basically, what what you have right now is just like what we had when we found out about China being a crook, where half the GDP was coming from theft. Now maybe half the inflation is coming from China and other big elephants that are not being closely watched in general by the media. So it's interesting. I think what what people want to know right now most is, is this going to continue, right? Like what would be the levers to turn that around? Right. If you're if you're Biden's administration watching this video, which I'm sure they closely watch. I'm sure they're watching it right now live. For, yeah, that exactly. we make because they're being blamed for gas prices, even though they have nothing to do with them. So yep. um, what would you do to like fix like what are immediate actions that we could take as a society to? Well, there are lots of small actions. Hmm. There are probably lots of things that we shouldn't do too much of. In other words, the central banks meeting tomorrow, I guess, again, they're going to do another half point. You don't want to overstep on the brakes if you don't understand why you have inflation. If if you're assuming it was like the last time around in 2007 or 1980 or whatever, don't assume that. Don't act the way you would have acted 20 years ago when you've got a whole new nation that's corrupt, that's blowing up the entire scene here. You've got to think that in those terms as well as in the normal terms. So um, that means to me, um, and we've been writing about this, as you know, in the Global Report, um, you have to disengage from the economic attack. Right. You have to strengthen your own economic system so that you are no longer vulnerable to the machinations of others. Yeah. I didn't write this, but I wanted to write it. I want to say, you know, imagine if I gave you a dollar and you went over to the Xerox machine and made $10 every time I did it. Mm -hmm. What would happen? It's fake money. What would happen? We'd have inflation. Every dollar we give to China is like $10 of fighting us coming back. Mm-hmm. We're strength. It's, it's just like buying Russian oil, but it's much worse. At least with Russian oil, it, it, there is some sense of a real accounting going on with the money inside Russia, but not in China. So, you know, you give them a dollar, maybe they make a thousand dollars. I don't know how many it is, but it'll come back and fight you. It'll fight you in every economic battle that you can dream of from overfishing to inflation. And, you know, Chinese inflation isn't that bad. Interesting. Right. Our inflation is out of control. Interesting. Are they unhappy about that? I don't think so. Are we? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, w- what we have as, as a, a very important alternative is disengage. And we're going to publish a book on disengagement pretty quickly here, I think by July 4th. But written you know, by idea, Evan Anderson. Evan Anderson. Now, if you if you would like to gain access to any of these past, uh, any of the information we're talking about here today, or if you want to learn more about this, you can become a member of Strategic News Service, SNS, um, by going to stratnews.com. You can sign up. The first 30 days are free. If you become a premium member, you gain access to all of our archives. So that means you can go back and read all of the, the many, many publications we've posted about China, how the Chinese economy works, what to expect, 
how disengagement should work, what it would look like to disengage. We've been writing about all of these these things for for years and years. So there's a lot of a lot to learn there. If that's something that you need to understand for your business, so I just want to. It's my one plug of good the, plug, good plug. Well done. Of the day. Well, I think we've covered it, Barrett, and I hope that people who see this podcast pay attention because um, we generally get it right, and and this is really important. So um, for people who are really worried, worry less, learn more, and do something about it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.